Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in. everyone and a welcome to the Outfit Repeaters. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and with me as always is Sam Chung. Hello Marissa. Could you please introduce me with my song? No. Please. The work song? Yes, please. Featuring you. Featuring me. <laughs> yes. I think it should be my work song featuring you. What? No. I brought it up so it's, therefore it's my work <laughs> song and if you paid attention to the show Ellen is a secondary character who gets the work song. Sophie, the main character, is featured. <laughs> so, <laughs> so please, my song. He's going to work, work, work. That's all I'm doing. Oh, you didn't even mention the dead guy. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sam. I was waiting for my song to take a weird turn. Sam. Yes. We had a few weeks of plot going on. And this episode really felt like a return to the show's chaotic form. (laughs) Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Granted, it did get a few hearty chuckles out of you. But yeah, multiple entrance to to the Woody Penis Club. Um, (laughs) I got to hear the word pubicles. So that happened. Cabbage was the star of the show. I'm our cabbage might be my MVP. Don't spoil it. Teasing it now. I. <laughs> it's going to take a lot. Throughout this episode, You, your job is actually to convince me that Cabbage is not the MVP. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, we also kick things off with Ellen making a sandwich and singing about it to the tune of the dreidel song, which was just like such a random choice. Yeah, and then proceeds to get that sandwich literally slapped out of her hand. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it? It was like... Oh, sandwich, sandwich, sandwich. I made you out of stuff. I I don't know. <laughs> I Blasphemy. do not know. me. But yeah, there were a few, like you said, hearty chuckles. But overall, nothing really happened in this episode. Um. Well, I mean, we did get some movement on Sid's storyline. So I guess that happened. It wasn't movement so much as a quick reversal. Like immediate reversal. That's true. It almost makes you wonder what happened to her. (laughs) Yeah. Did something happen to you? Uh, Who has you at gunpoint? No, it was was an episode. It was an episode. I don't have too much of a preamble for this one. I'm quite ready to just jump in if you are. No preamble. Cool. So let's dive into How I Met Your Father, season two, episode 15, Working Girls. In this episode, Sophie and Ellen get assigned to a work project together. Sid surprises Hannah in L.A. And Charlie and Val try to make the most of their time with Jesse after he gets a bad psychic reading. Yeah, Marissa, have you ever gotten a psychic reading? I have not. Me either. Should we go? I'd love to know that I'm going to die today. (laughs) (laughs) My sister has. What did they tell her? That her chakras were broken. What? Shattered, I think was the word. Her 
chakras were shattered? Yes. Was her psychic like Indian? I don't know. Is her psychic a white lady? I feel like if you're a white lady psychic, you can't be talking about chakras. Stop it. I don't, it's it's not like her psychic. Like she doesn't have a regular, like there's no Madame Deb situation here. It was a one-time psychic. She went to a one-time psychic who told her that her chakra. Her chakras were broken, and then she proceeded never to return. Correct. Okay, well, I guess the obvious question is, were they? (laughs) I don't know. As Matt McGuire once said, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Don't don't test me. (laughs) I don't even know what that means, but I gotta get back to school! (laughs) Still one of the best clips to ever clip. I love that Matt McGuire is still giving. Yeah, I mean, on that note, have you been listening to more of their podcast? I haven't. Oh, well, he's continuing to give. You're just not taking. I know. I should. I'll consider it. I haven't really been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. I've been more of, I've been more on an audiobook kick, but that's a tangent we don't need to have right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to talk about How I Met Your Father and Sophie wanting a nine to five but not understanding what a nine to five is. Yeah. Um, she'd love to wake up at nine <laughs> and then just roll in. And then what, I guess, logically get home by five. I mean, we would all love that. Yeah, we'd all love that. The episode starts with Sophie just bursting into Ellen's apartment, slapping her sandwich out of her hand and exclaiming that, Goliath Market is looking for an in-house photographer to create food content for their social platforms. That is Ellen's employer. Oh my goodness. Sophie and Ellen could be work besties. They could be. But Ellen is like, really? Like, since when do you want a nine to five? And Sophie is, you know, she's getting she's getting sick of the freelance hustler life. And you know what? Good. Can I just say, are we just going to forget that Sophie has a dad now? <laughs> like, she found him and that's it? I thought she was going to become a hot dog heiress. And also, like, I don't think we've seen Sophie hustling enough to really understand the motivation for this. No, I, yeah, she has the one photo of Jesse. <laughs> her, <laughs> her crowning achievement that she left on top of a taxi. I, I don't understand this very much. Yes, but Sophie understands that this is a competitive world and you need to work those connections. So she thinks that this job is perfect for her and even better, Ellen works at Goliath and can give her a recommendation, kind of just pass her resume along. Yeah, what is Ellen's job again? What is her role at Goliath? I don't remember. (laughs) Something in corporate with the produce. I don't know. Hmm. And Ellen's like, you know, jobs are competitive. There's no guarantee. Cut immediately to Sophie running into Pemberton's being like, I got the job. Yeah. How about that? It's, it's just that easy to get a job these days. If you are a certain demographic of person. Yeah, I feel, well, I could be wrong. No, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to say, I don't know how it works. I was going to say, do, do grocery stores have their own photographers or do they just find like, stock free <laughs> like stock images of vegetables and put them on the flyers. I have no idea what the social media or marketing strategy is for big produce. For big produce? Yeah. Should we go who's the biggest produce? Is it Whole Foods? 
It's probably giant. Giant. Like oh, that's it. how we got. To, that's how they got to Goliath. Probably like okay. that, yeah. I see it as like a stop and shop giant equivalent. I'm going to stop and shop's Twitter page right now at stop and shop. Let's see what they've done. There's a lot of polls. Uh, on April 26th, they said it's national. It's hashtag National Pretzel Day. So we have to ask, what's the best way to enjoy a soft pretzel dipped in honey mustard? slathered in cheese sauce, coated in cinnamon sugar, or in nugget form only. Interesting. What is the, what is your choice? Going to be honest, I was only half listening to you because I went to Stop and Shop's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Maybe they need a Sophie because they only have 26.6 thousand followers, like the Stop and Shop. I will say, so Stop and Shop for the most part, they haven't taken a lot of their own photos. Mostly they repost other people's posts. For example, on April 11th, they retweeted Boston 25 News at Boston 25, which uh, it's actually an article that says customers of a stop and shop in Quincy were surprised recently when Hollywood star and Boston native Mark Wahlberg bagged some of their groceries at checkout. Wow. Cue up picture of Mark Wahlberg in a pink camo sweatshirt. Yeah, Grocers are really trying on social media. I never really, this is never, it's never crossed my mind to follow my favorite grocery store on a Trader Joe's though, man. Trader Joe's 2.9 million Instagram followers. Whoa, that's a lot more than Stop and Shop. You said (laughs) Stop and Shop was big grocery. They only have 29,000 or 28,000 followers on Twitter. Let's see how many Twitter followers Trader Joe's has. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Elon Musk had kicked, uh, Whole Foods off of off of Twitter. Yeah, Trader Big Joe's Amazon. knows what's up. Trader Joe's. I don't even. Trader Joe's might not have an. I can't tell if Trader Joe's actually has a Twitter account. It, it, they might be just on the on the Instagram. It's a very well. This actually does look like something that they would have, like a social person. But do you think they curating. have a social person who works for them, or yeah. do you think that they outsource it to an agency? Oh well, that's a good question. I mean, these are a lot because Trader Joe's does have a lot of like specific products oh i have you beat whole foods has 4.1 million twitter followers take that trader joe's three million on instagram a lot of pictures of nuts of (laughs) (laughs) of charcuterie boards what soap scent is your fave golden chai candy corn or farmhouse cider wait is this soap who has candy corn sam what (laughs) we are losing the plot All right. Well, whoever whoever's out there buying candy corn soap, stop that. That's terrible. <laughs> that's that's awful. Okay, let's stop perusing <laughs> grocery store social media accounts and let's do our first um, inductee of the episode. Okay, because it happens real fast. It does. It does. It happens real fast. And there's a part of me that wonder, like every time um, we induct somebody into the WPC, as I call it now. <laughs> For the first time ever. <laughs> As I now call it the, the WPC. I wonder like what would that person's reaction be to having been inducted into it if they knew the circumstances by which they had they had come to um I don't know, have this honor bestowed upon them. And this is one of the more interesting ones when I think about it in my head. What happens is so Sophie believes that Ellen has given a good recommendation. Therefore, Sophie has gotten the job. 
She owes Ellen. Ellen can get whatever she wants, but Sophie knows that what Ellen may want more than anything else is the blending of comedy and self-defense at an event called Improv Maga. What do you know? She believes that that is how Conan O'Brien keeps it tight. Val believes that that's how Conan O'Brien keeps it tight. Oh, you're right. That's how Val believes that Conan O'Brien keeps it tight. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. Conan O'Brien, welcome. Welcome to the WPC. I feel like we need to, I feel like there's like a jacket now that people will get. Maybe just a hat. I don't think we have the budget for jackets. A prosthetic. <laughs> Jesus. So a, then, phallic, a phallic award. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes. Conan, welcome. So then we get the the return, the, the reprise of Ellen's work song, now featuring Sophie. I have to say, with Hillary on the song, it's really giving metamorphosis vibes. In what way? Just like, I don't know, I'm having, I can't tell you what song it sounds like, but it just is giving that era to me, like 2003 Hillary Duff music. Interesting. I don't know that I was expecting it or needed it, but there it was. Indeed. Indeed. Meanwhile, back at Pemberton's, the rest of the partially employed underemployed cast of the show is just they're just chilling they're just chilling at the bar with with madam deborah val psychic don't you always wonder like why aren't you at work yes all the time time. yeah all the time i mean also in fairness the timelines here don't really line up we have um sophie and ellen giving a presentation at work in new york and sid and hannah attending an after work party in la yeah, there's literally no sense of time on this show. So, I mean, expecting any sort of like time to line up <laughs> on this show is very, very ambitious because those two timelines do not line up at all. Yeah, they really tried to throw time zones into this and just yeah didn't. If Ellen and Sophie are at a work presentation in the middle of the day, it's like 11 a.m. in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> I think they got the they got the time zones backwards. We'll get to them, though. First, we have to talk about the psychic. Not even the psychic. Charlie and Val both believe in Madame Deborah, Madame Deb. She's never wrong. She told Charlie that prosperity is right around the corner. And he just found, like, a wad of cash right around the corner. She told Val choppy waters were approaching before she started dating Andrew Giuliani. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. And you know what? She wasn't wrong. Like, Charlie literally found money. Val literally walked into an orgy at Andrew Giuliani's. Madam Deb, a true, 100% reliable psychic. You know what this reminded me of? And it's a show that we never finished, but um, it reminded me of Paul T. Goldman's, like, animal psychic. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really deep cut for anyone who's seen Peacock's Paul T. Goldman which toes the line between um, like an unscripted and scripted show. There's really no way to describe Paul T. Goldman. All you need to know is that at one point, he went to see a pet psychic who became one of his most trusted advisors. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Madam Deb energy. Her name might have also been Madam Deb. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> well, the whole point of this setup is that Charlie and Val are believers and Jesse is skeptical. But he is going to go talk to Madam Deb and see what his reading is. Yeah, did you like that he that he threw a sheeple in there? He called them sheeple. I'm indifferent. <laughs> <laughs> then we're in LA. Sid shows up at Hannah's hospital. He somehow makes an appointment under a fake name to get him literally in the room. You didn't as let a me patient. finish my joke. Okay. Did you like that he called them sheeple, or was that bad? <laughs> So Sid's in LA <laughs> and he is ready to give California a chance. Let's go on one of those Runyon Canyon hikes you're always talking about. That is pinnacle LA. After work. After work. <laughs> yeah, an after work hike. And Hannah's like, I'd love to, but there is actually a work party for a colleague named Eli. Eli just passed his boards and all the doctors are going to celebrate. And we then immediately meet Eli and I'm like confused by what we're supposed to get from this. Like, are we supposed to be picking up a vibe between them like Sid is? Or is it just a matter of them having inside jokes and Dr. Lingo that he's not privy to? It seems to me to be more like inside jokes and um, like doctor things. Um, I don't know. Wasn't like Eli kind of like an asshole, though, unnecessarily? <laughs> Throughout the entire episode. <laughs> I mean. It was very condescending. They they had big like Ivy League energy. Yeah. Very unlike what Sid thought that an LA doctor was going to be like. He thought it was just going to be hot people eating sushi <laughs> while they operate on you. So that's happening. Sid's like, no, no, no. We can go to the party. I want to be a part of your world. Just part like, just like Ariel. <laughs> um, let's do this. Meanwhile, back at Pemberton's, Jesse gets his reading, and it's not good. Can you cl- can you play this? Because it's so much funny. It'll be so much more funny. Oh, um, sure. This was my hearty chuckle. In all my years, I've never met such a doomed young man. <laughs> Goodbye. Forever. So good. Madam Deb. Honestly, my MVP. I'll wow, say it way now. To, way to spoil it right now. You spoiled yours, so I'm spoiling mine. You Cab- haven't you haven't convinced me that Madame Deborah is more valuable to this episode than the cabbage. She literally forced Jesse to like contemplate the meaning of life. Cabbage literally took over New York City. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we haven't even gotten to the cabbage yet. <laughs> that was it for Madame Deb. That was it. It was like She's in, she's out. Yeah, but she influenced the rest of the episode. So did Cabbage. <laughs> but Cabbage hasn't even entered scene yet. Exactly. Because. It's too powerful. Cabbage knows how to make an entrance. <laughs> Long story short, according to Madam Deb, Jesse is going to die tonight. That is, her, that is her reading. And Val and Charlie are like, well, I guess that's it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Because Madam Deb is never wrong. Indeed. To prove their point, as soon as Jesse exits the bar, a light fixture where he was standing prior falls from the ceiling. A bad omen. And honestly, that's more of an omen that it might be time for Sid to sell now and move to LA. But <laughs> Yeah, truly. So then we go back to Ellen and Sophie at the Goliath offices. Sophie introduces herself to Ellen's boss, 
And her boss notes that, oh, you and Ellen seem like you're already super close. And Sophie's like, well, yeah, you should know that because didn't you get Ellen's recommendation? He did not. Ellen never sent a recommendation. In fairness, like she got the job. Like, get over it. (laughs) Sophie is upset. Get over it. Like, you got the job. Just let it go. That's my view on it. Yeah, but like, I don't know, later in the episode, I'm like, Ellen, where is this coming from? She starts passing a lot of judgment. (laughs) I mean, it's not not valid. (laughs) But also, like, who are you, Ellen? You literally fell from the ceiling. That's also true. It is... It is hypocritical, like, but it's not not valid. Like, Ellen, like, is Ellen all put together herself? Like, no. No. So it just felt particularly harsh. I know. She's being a real Maureen in this situation. So then we go to this doctor party. And let me tell you, this is another one of those moments where I am like, okay, too many episodes, not enough budget. Because this was the saddest party <laughs> I think I have ever seen. Yeah. They didn't even get to go to a bar. They just hung out in the break room. Yeah. They're all just like sitting around in the break room engaged in like one conversation. (laughs) Like maybe like a dozen people are like just sitting in like a semicircle. No alcohol. No booze. (laughs) Um, They play a game where they take characters from movies and diagnose them with medical conditions. My other question about this party is um, there were a lot of there were a lot of doctors at this party. So who was working? Who's taking care of things in the hospital? (laughs) (laughs) There were just no the vibes were off. I would not have called that a party. No, me either. And Sid tries to participate in the game, but he does not understand. He he does not. No, you have to you have to diagnose somebody who is not diagnosed in the source material with something. You can't pick somebody with a terminal illness <laughs> and identify what their terminal illness is. Correct. Y- yeah, that's that's not how it works. Would you not include the two name dropped actors in the WPC? Uh, no, I would not. Okay, then. Yeah, we, we will not even. We will not even state their names. <laughs> we will move on. Yeah. So at at work, Ellen and Sophie get paired together for a presentation that needs to happen that same day. Like, again, what? They have to come up with a whole rebrand for Cabbage in like an hour. I, I honestly don't think Cabbage needs a rebrand. Like, I think Cabbage gets decent usage. What would be your vegetable rebrand? What would be my vegetable rebrand? Like if you could assign a vegetable that needs a rebrand. Ooh, um, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about this too, too much. What vegetable needs a rebrand? Back in the day, I feel like it would have been Brussels sprouts. Like whoever did the Brussels sprouts rebrand, good job. Yeah, Um, Brussels sprouts are cool now. Brussels sprouts are cool now. When I was a kid... They sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thinking Brussels sprouts, but I feel like that moment already happened and whoever did that did a good job. What's a a vegetable that... Vegetables in general are pretty hot right now. I guess I would go with like celery. Okay. Vegetables are pretty hot right now. (laughs) (laughs) Just like generally speaking. Yeah, generally. Yeah, it's a good time to be like a vegan... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but in general, I think that celery, you know, 
I feel like we're a little bit removed from the heyday of like uh, ants on a log. <laughs> that was like I like that. pinnacle point for celery. I feel like celery has kind of hit a bit of a valley right now. I like no that. No one's talking about celery. I How like, would you rebrand celery? I like that answer. I don't know. It's not my job to figure out. I think you just, here. here's my idea. There's that, what's the drink with the, where you put celery in it? A Bloody Mary? Sure. I, I think we just make a, a new line of drinks that only features celery. It's like, boom, here's your drink and celery. <laughs> make it a garnish. Yeah. For any kind of vegetable juice, like carrot juice, boom, celery, stick in. Yeah. Or yeah. alternative plan, you give celery to a frat house as a straw. And then they have to just tape all the celery together and pour drinks down the celery. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know. I'm 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 trying to decide who the target market target market for for celery is. I don't um, know, Sam, but we're talking way too much about celery when we should be talking about cabbage. You're so right. MVP for cabbage. <laughs> yeah. But no, in general, like I, I mean, I guess cabbage could be sexier. <laughs> but. <laughs> But it's not like people aren't going out and buying cabbage. Maybe it's just like, I don't know. I feel like uh, as a Chinese person, there's cabbage in everything. That's true. Yeah, it's like more like introducing cabbage to white people. Yeah, because coleslaw, terrible. Terrible use of cabbage. Whoever came up with that jail. (laughs) Well, it's now Sophie and Ellen's job to make cabbage young and hip and cool. Meanwhile, Charlie and Val are still convinced that Jesse is dying tonight. They are last suppering him. Uh, there was a line where Val says, emphasizes once again, Madam Deb is never wrong. She even predicted there would be a high school musical, the musical, the series. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's <laughs> penis from the inside. You're adding HSMTMTS to the <laughs> Yes. Just the whole show. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but weird things keep happening to Jesse, right? First, it's like the light fixture, which he doesn't see. But then one of the swords, one of the How I Met Your Mother's swords falls from the wall and lands right in front of him, almost stabbing his foot. I know. And he had a virtual try-on appointment with Warby Parker. <laughs> Does Warby Parker get in? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I think so. Really? <laughs> yes. I think if, 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 if. if High School Musical, the musical the series is in. I think Warby Parker is also in. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. Are you keeping a list? Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like at the end, we have to like recount, recollect, reminisce. Oh, man. Well, we'll cross that bridge when when we get to it. When we get there. Okay. Yeah. It'll be kind of like an in memoriam. Or like that scene, like <laughs> yeah. that that scene in Talking Dead where they do an in memoriam for all the zombies who died. Yes, exactly. I'll just be like, whatever. Oh, here's the father, and here are the Woody Penis Club inductees one more time. Yes. Yeah. So back in L.A., Hannah and Sid continue to be at the lamest party to ever party, but the topic changes to Sid owning a bar again. The Dr. Eli is addressing Sid in what I would consider to be a condescending manner. Um, but Sid's like, yeah, I can make you guys great drinks. Have you ever had a, I don't know, but it needs bourbon and there's no bourbon in a hospital, but he can go get some at the liquor store, but it's raining. Sid is like, 
Ugh, you, you LA people. Can't handle the rain. Weak. I'm a New Yorker, Eli. I can handle a little drizz. And then he steps outside in like a tsunami and immediately falls into like a split. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little silly. Silly Sid. Back at Goliath, Sophie is still hung up on the fact that Ellen didn't recommend her. And Ellen admits that it didn't slip her mind. She just straight up didn't want to, <laughs> which was so ice cold. Love it. Hilarious. Um, That's she, hilarious. She didn't think that Sophie could hold down a real job and she didn't want to look bad. That's um, fair. You you know, it's, it is a tricky business recommending somebody when you don't necessarily want it to reflect on you. Yeah. But like, honestly, the timing was a little not like she tells her this right before the cabbage presentation. Great Oh, I thought you meant the timing of the interview process because it seemed like just one interview and then boom, hired. Oh, well, yeah, but that's also (laughs) not it. It seemed like a 24-hour application to hire cycle. Yeah, they had a real, real need. Yes. And so Ellen confesses this to Sophie right before their presentation. So Sophie is very passive-aggressive now during this presentation. It really goes off the rails about how selfish cabbages are always looking out for themselves. Basically confirming everything that Ellen worried about in giving her (laughs) or in not giving her a recommendation. Correct. And then Ellen feeds into it too and (laughs) refers to Sophie as a flaky blonde cabbage. That's gross. (laughs) Even Ellen's like kind of what do you want? Like you have the job. Like I don't know that you even really... Like, you're here. Like, why are you mad at me? And Sophie says, but I want you to think that I'm good enough to be here. Like, she's actually hurt, like, on a deeper level that her friend doesn't believe that she should be there. Sophie, Sophie, uh, I don't know. She's such a narcissist. (laughs) Like, everything is so important. Everything revolves around Sophie. Yeah, like. Yeah, remember when um, Sophie almost ruined Ellen's relationship with her therapist by making Ellen talk about Sophie's problems in therapy. Indeed. And when Sophie has a plan, quote unquote, everyone needs to drop everything that they're doing yeah. <laughs> and accommodate said plan. She's kind of an anti-hero. I, I don't even, I don't know that I would even go that far. Like she's supposed to be the, she's like the protagonist, but like she could sometimes be really hard to root for. And as Taylor Swift says, it must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. Yeah, but I don't think that's what it, I, I wouldn't qualify her as an anti-hero. Do you think she's not like self-aware enough to be an anti-hero? I just don't think she does anything heroic. I but. guess I meant hero in the sense of like, if we are supposed to believe, like not in like a literal, not in like a heroic sense, but like this, like she would be the, he- like it's her, like the POV character. She is the hero of the show. She is the person we are following. And she's not the worst. There, there are worse characters. There is Carrie Dubeck. <laughs> that, is, that is true. I want to talk about a narcissist on TV right now. I digress. But that is a reference to the other two, which is the best show that you're probably not watching. So watch it. You don't want to do that because now, now you have to subsidize everybody's max subscription. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't be doing that. Um, back in LA, Sid bruised his butt. That that is that is that is the diagnosis. It's like a coccyx contusion, aka a bruised butt. This is the moment where, like you said, we get movement on the 
New York LA storyline, but it's really just a quick reversal because Sid kind of opens up to Hannah about feeling insecure in LA. Like you have all these doctor friends and all you have this whole life here and like also is jealous because Eli's really hot and like, I don't know, like he's just kind of like word vomiting. And then Hannah is like, you don't have to worry about any of this. You know why? I'm moving to New York. And I was like, what? Is her residency over? It's been like less than a year. (laughs) I don't think she means immediately, but I think this was all about kind of like when her fellowship ends. Yeah, but it seems like that's imminent. She's looking at Zillow's. That's true. Which there's no way that she can. She must have so much student debt. Now she's going to buy a house in LA. No way. (laughs) Stop it. No way. Stop it. Yes. Hannah loves Sid more than she loves LA. So she'll move back. I don't know. Like you have a 20 episode season. You really had to walk it back immediately, immediately, like in the following episode. Really? I was a little surprised by that. I thought this conflict would last longer. They don't give Sid, Sid's storylines time to develop, really. They did the same thing with Taylor. And I don't think that's over, though. You said that was the last time we were going to see her. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said I don't think it's the last time we're going to see her. You do not. I do not. Oh, okay. But you're right. Like, Sid doesn't really get room to breathe on this show. He's either doing the same sort of like buddy sidekick shenanigans with someone else or his own storylines are really rushed. Mm -hmm. And that's like disappointing because I think that he's such a charming actor and I want more for him. It's kind of like the similar... Similarly, how I feel about Val, honestly, when I think about it, I think those two both get sidelined in their own stories. I mean, Val got like a three episode arc with Swish. I know. (laughs) But like, what did we learn about Val at the end of that arc? Like, what was the takeaway that she still loves Charlie, that she needs to be like talked off the ledge of like marrying a child? Like, I just don't know what. Yeah, I just don't know what we learned about her. Yeah, that's fair. That like, or anything like about that arc meaningfully contributing to her growth. Yeah. Wow. I love when you agree with me. It feels so rare and it's so delightful. Well, for me to argue with you, I would have had to actually learn something about Val and I did not. So (laughs) So I was right. Yeah. (laughs) One thing that we learn about Val is that she cannot read Jesse's penmanship. Because she thinks that he wants to go to Hawaii, but he wanted to go to Helsinki. Basically, they ask Jesse to make a bucket list, but all of his items are unattainable. Like, he wants to be interviewed on Fresh Air. Shout out to NPR Fresh Air host, Terry Gross. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. And... Maybe the most unattainable of them all is that he wants to be the SNL musical guest, but he also wants to then be the host and the musical guest. He wants two SNL appearances. Well, yeah, and they're striking, so definitely not going to happen. Definitely not happening. (laughs) Um, Back at Goliath, Ellen is in her boss's office um, after the whole cabbage shenanigans, selfish cabbage, flaky blonde cabbage, Ellen needs to be spoken to. And Sophie is concerned that her antics may have gotten her friend fired, but that's not what's happening. So she kind of unnecessarily storms into 
the office with the sort of like grand gestury speech and Ellen's boss is like, I'm not firing her. I'm just making sure she's okay because she's been acting really weird since you got here. I mean, if there's one thing we know about this work environment, it's that you can do pretty much anything and not get fired. It's true. So. And then Sophie having Ellen's back in turn makes Ellen have Sophie's back. Like they both start hyping each other up to keep their jobs. Nobody ends up getting fired. They both still have this job. Will we ever see Sophie doing this job again? Like probably not. But this seems to have resolved this storyline. They're like, cool, we both have our jobs. We both have each other. No more drama. And then Jesse storms in and says that he might be dying tonight. So yeah, to recap, at this office, Ellen has fallen through the ceiling into a meeting. Her desk neighbor has let a snake loose. (laughs) (laughs) And now Sophie has basically yelled at her boss and no one's gotten fired. Yeah, you can do anything at Goliath. (laughs) You really can. Then our final scene takes place. I guess not our our penultimate scene is back at Jesse and Sid's apartment where Jesse walks in. In a suit. He is dressed for his funeral. He is ready to die tonight. (laughs) Jesse says, how do I look? Charlie says, like a man who's ready to go. And they count down and the clock strikes 12. And guess what? Jesse doesn't die. (laughs) Surprise. That would be the craziest plot twist. That, Like imagine a universe where the writers have the audacity to just like kill him off like mid-season. That would be crazy. I I would respect that, honestly. (laughs) You know what? Go for your vision. And Jesse's like, wow, this is amazing. I'm never going to die. And then he immediately almost chokes on a peanut. So that happens. That wraps up that. So basically. Except I'm surprised they're even allowed to have nuts in the apartment. Because Sid is actually allergic to nuts. (laughs) Yeah, Sid actually almost died. (laughs) I forgot about that. The next day. Guess what? Cabbage has taken over the streets of New York. And this is probably the most important thing that I think has happened over the course of maybe the entire show. The son says there's no way that happened. And Sophie says, this is old Sophie. Um, says, says, that's the way she remembers it. So that's how it happened. Which honestly, yeah, that's the whole show. <laughs> that's the whole show. We have probably the most unreliable narrator. <laughs> But that's just how it happened. I do appreciate the reminder of that and like the aware the the awareness that the show has. Like that's probably that. the one thing that could excuse the Sid and Hannah storyline being so messy. Well, I think that's what excuses pretty much because she wasn't there. <laughs> any storyline that doesn't involve Sophie directly, right? Yeah. How are we getting all of these side stories that she's not in if? The show is from her POV. She's really just making shit up and we're just <laughs> taking it in. Pretty much. But yeah, that's that is how the episode concludes with the cabbage takeover. Indeed, yes. Yes. I believe we know where this is going. MVP. Still cabbage. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm just trying to go through all the options. Charlie and Val did nothing. Sophie was annoying. Ellen was hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse really also did nothing. Uh, Sid was annoying. Hannah did nothing. Yeah, it's cabbage. It's got to be cabbage by default. 
Cabbage, cabbage. I'm still giving mine to Madam Deb. Boo. For having my favorite line of the episode. Yeah, well. She was my hearty chuckle. I have to give it to my hearty chuckle. You don't even believe in psychics. I believe in a hearty chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) And cabbage didn't give you a hearty chuckle? You hearty chuckled at cabbage at the end being literally everywhere. That was a little chuckle. They were like, it worked. (laughs) That is... Another episode of How I Met Your Father. Um, I honestly, as much as I have appreciated the plot, I did think it was fun to discuss the chaos and kind of just indulge in the chaos once more. And we'll see where it goes from here. We are in the final the final countdown. Five more episodes. Um, but for now, that is a wrap on How I Met Your Father, season two, episode 15, Working girls as always you can follow us on all the socials at alpha repeat pod on twitter at alpha repeaters podcast on instagram you can email us at alpha repeaters podcast at gmail.com marissa do we need a a photographer for our socials yes i'm really bad at updating (laughs) the socials yeah i feel like they've been lacking of late that's a call out and i respect it yeah so no recommendation from me (laughs) okay uh, if you liked this episode and you want to check out any of our other coverage, you can find that either at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com, or on any platform where podcasts are available. And we will be back next week to talk about How I Met Your Father, Season 2, Episode 16, The Jersey Connection. <laughs>